What's up, mortals? This is Mortality Minded, where we explore life, death, and whatever's next through culture, science, personal growth, and more. I'm your host, Thomas Gaudio. Today I'm talking suicide, a major public health problem and a leading cause of death in the United States. The effects of suicide often go well beyond the person who attempts to take or takes their own life. It can have a lasting effect on family, friends, and communities. Since September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month here in the U.S., it's a good time to shed light on this topic, which can be especially difficult for many people to talk about. First, I'll speak to some surprising stats and what's behind the numbers to illuminate and contextualize the problem, and then I'll talk about risk factors, warning signs, ways to help, and a couple of additional resources you may find interesting and useful. Much of the information I'm sharing comes from the National Institute of Mental Health. If it's from somewhere else, I'll let you know. I'll include links to everything I mentioned in this episode in the show notes so you can take a look for yourself if you want to. And after I finish up, I'll share my daily mortality matches with you, so stick around for that. Now, before we get into it, I'm going to give a quick public service announcement in case anyone is struggling with suicidal thoughts or knows someone who is. If that's not you, feel free to skip ahead. It's long, but packed with details on where to go for help. The PSA lasts 3 minutes and 45 seconds, starting right now. So if you're considering suicide or know someone who is, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK which is 8255, anytime, day or night, for free and confidential emotional support. The deaf and hard of hearing can contact the Lifeline via TTY at 1-800-799-4889. Para ayuda en español, usted llama al número 1-888-622. Ocho, nueve, cuatro, cinco, cuatro, o usted visita suicidepreventionlifeline.org slash help dash, dash is in the symbol, not the word, yourself slash n as an en dash español. I'll give that website in Espanol one more time, uno mas, in case it wasn't clear. Suicidepreventionlifeline.org slash help dash yourself slash n dash Espanol. Kind of weird because the first three quarters of that address are in English, but I think it's important to provide it in Espanol. It also gives me a chance to practice my Spanish, which I've been learning on Duolingo for the last few months. Anyway, back to the public service announcement. If you're concerned about a friend's social media updates, contact those social media outlets directly. I'll link to ways you can contact Instagram and other platforms for these types of situations in the show notes. But if it's an emergency, okay, such as someone messaging about suicidal behavior or live streaming it, call 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline immediately. 
Another resource available 24-7 is the Crisis Text Line. Text H-O-M-E to 741-741. And there's the Lifeline Chat available at suicidepreventionlifeline.org slash chat. For general information on mental health and to locate treatment services in your area, call, all right, this is a mouthful, so get ready, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration Treatment Referral Helpline. The name's not important, but the number is 1-800-662-HELP or 4357. This organization also has a behavioral health treatment locator on its website that can be used to search for treatment help by address, city, or zip code, which I'll also link to in the show notes. A quick note about some related interesting news. This week, the U.S. Congress officially passed the National Suicide Hotline Designation Act, which calls for the creation of a three-digit number, 988, to become the new National Suicide Prevention Number by July 2022. It's kind of a weird thing to say, 2022. Um, The thinking is that a three-digit number will be easier to remember for people struggling with suicidal thoughts. In the meantime, you can still call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline that I mentioned earlier. Also, now's a good time to remind everyone that using terms like died by suicide or killed themselves when describing these actions is preferred over committing suicide or successful suicide, since the latter often carry negative connotations. So let's dive into some background on suicide, including who's typically most affected. In 2018 in the U.S., according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, better known as the CDC, suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall, killing more than 48,000 people. But suicide was the second leading cause of death among people between the ages of 10 and 34. The first was unintentional injury, such as traffic accidents. And suicide was the fourth leading cause of death among people between the ages of 35 and 54. And finally, there were more than two and a half times as many suicides as there were homicides. If you're not familiar with these numbers, they may be somewhat shocking. Perhaps even more surprising is the fact that the suicide rate in the U.S. rose by 33%, 33% from 1999 through 2017. And even worse, the average percentage increase, okay, accelerated from 1% per year Uh, from 99 through 2006 to 2% per year from 2007 through 2017. So it it doubled in terms of the acceleration. And there are no signs of it slowing down. In fact, the pandemic may be making it worse. Mental health professionals have expressed concern that the anxiety, fear, loneliness, and other negative feelings brought on by the pandemic and its economic and social fallout may be causing a further increase in suicide, according to pieces by the Mayo Clinic and Scientific American. Pandemic notwithstanding, what's behind the rise? It's complex, but some factors seem to be clear contributors, according to an American Psychological Association article from 2019. Socioeconomic changes may be one cause. The article cites Princeton University economists 
who's shown that deaths from suicide, drugs, and alcohol among white middle-aged Americans have increased significantly since 2000, linking the suicides to a decrease in economic and social well-being among the white working class. Another factor at play is that mental health care is generally less accessible, affordable, and effective than it should be, according to Dr. Christine Moutier. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. She was the chief medical officer of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, as quoted in that article. While suicide doesn't discriminate, you know, people of all genders, ages, and ethnicities could be at risk, some groups face higher risk than others. CDC data shows that men are more likely to die by suicide than women, but women are more likely to attempt it. And men are more likely to use more lethal methods, such as firearms or suffocation, while women are more likely to attempt suicide by poisoning. I'm not sure why poisoning is considered less lethal here, but maybe it has to do with gunshots and asphyxiation being more binary actions that are more likely to lead to death than a poison that depends on the type and amount of, the, of substance used. I don't know. That's my guess for now anyway. Also, per the CDC, certain other groups are at higher risk than others. For example, young and middle-aged American Indians and Alaska Natives have the highest suicide rate, followed by middle-aged and older white men who aren't Hispanic. African Americans have the lowest suicide rate, while Hispanics have the second lowest rate. But the exception here is younger children. African American children under the age of 12 have a higher suicide rate than white children. And people with certain jobs are also at higher risk of suicide than those in other jobs. According to a 2020 CDC report, the top three occupations with significantly higher suicide rates among men are fishing and hunting workers, machinists, and welding, soldering, and brazing workers. I'm not sure what brazing is, but it sounds like it's related to welding and soldering. Um, among women, the top three occupations with much higher suicide rates are artists and related workers, personal care aides, and retail salespeople. Relatedly, Previous research shows suicide risk is associated with low-skilled work, lower education, lower absolute and relative socioeconomic status, work-related access to lethal means, and job stress. I want to take a minute here. I know maybe I'm overwhelming some people with all these stats, but I feel it's important to get our arms around this problem and, and reveal how prevalent it is and you know, highlight some of the groups who are most affected because I think it's something that we don't see, we don't talk about. And there's that sort of cliche that, uh, you know, everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about or that you, you're not aware of. And I think that's very true. Um, so whether you're interacting with someone, you know, uh, out in the world uh, while they're at work and you're buying something from them or interacting with them in some way, or maybe you're on the phone with them or um, you're, just talking to a complete stranger, like you never know what is going on behind the scenes, even people you know, right? And that's, we're going we're gonna to get to that in a second, but even people we know, um, what we think we know, or we do, we know them as well as we can, I, I suppose. And, uh, you know, they're going through something and they're, maybe they're hiding it. So, you know, just be compassionate, be aware and, if we if we're if if we're more aware of other people and have empathy for people, 
then maybe we can have some kind of effect on this and at least let people know, hey, we're, th- we're there for you and we're um, willing to listen to you because we have to do something. And at least we can start with ourselves and just being more cognizant of other people and what they're going through or, or possibly going through. All right, so getting back to this great information that I pulled from several different sources, uh, now I want to move into risk factors, okay? So generally, the main risk factors for suicide include a prior suicide attempt, depression and other mental health disorders, substance abuse disorder, having guns or other firearms in the home, being in jail, being exposed to the suicidal behavior of others, such as a family member, friend, a classmate, a coworker, or a celebrity, and family history of suicide, mental health or substance abuse disorders, and or violence, including physical or sexual abuse. Okay, so those are all risk factors for someone potentially going down this, going down this road. But even among people who have risk factors for suicide, most don't attempt it. So it's still very difficult to predict exactly who will act on these suicidal thoughts, which leads to the question, you know, why do some people become suicidal while those, let's say, with similar risk factors don't? Well, the risk for suicidal behavior is complex. And research suggests that people who attempt suicide may react to events, think, and make decisions differently than those who don't attempt suicide. These differences happen more often if a person also has a disorder, such as depression, substance abuse, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, and or psychosis. Now, while these risk factors are important to keep in mind, someone exhibiting warning signs, okay, just warning signs of suicide may be in more danger and require immediate attention. Behaviors indicating that someone may be thinking about suicide include talking about wanting to die or wanting to kill themselves and or planning for it, talking about feeling empty, hopeless, or having no reason to live, talking about having great guilt or shame, feeling trapped and or being a burden to others, uh, withdrawing from family and friends, taking risks that could lead to death, such as reckless driving, and giving away important possessions and or saying goodbye to friends and family. Okay, so those are all warning signs. It's like red alert, something is amiss here. It's important to note here that suicidal thoughts or actions are a sign of extreme distress and an alert that someone needs help. Any warning or symptom of suicide should not be ignored. All talk of suicide should be taken seriously and requires attention. Threatening to die by suicide is not a normal response to stress and should not be taken lightly. Often, family and friends are the first to recognize the warning signs of suicide. They can start helping an at-risk individual find treatment with someone who specializes in diagnosing and treating mental health conditions through psychotherapies and or medications. If someone is telling you they're going to kill themselves, do not leave them alone. Do not promise anyone that you will keep their suicidal thoughts a secret. Make sure to tell a trusted friend or family member. And if you're on the younger side, tell an adult you feel comfortable with. Relatedly, there is a common myth that asking someone about suicide can put the idea into their head. It's not true. Asking someone about suicide is not harmful. 
several studies examining this concern have shown that asking people about suicidal thoughts and behavior does not induce or increase such thoughts and experiences. In fact, asking someone directly, are you thinking of killing yourself, can be the best way to identify someone at risk for suicide. Lastly, before I finish up, I want to mention a few more things. One, there are many resources out there to help explain suicide and get people who are affected by it the help they need. What I've talked about here is just the tip of the iceberg. So please use this episode as a starting point or add on to your research, but not as the final stop. In that vein, I want to make two recommendations. One is a podcast episode on suicide from the Great Freakonomics, hosted by Stephen J. Dubner. It's an episode from 2011 called The Suicide Paradox, which explores questions like, how do you prevent suicide? Are we doing enough to prevent it? Why do people kill themselves? And is suicide ever rational? I stumbled on it years ago and revisit it from time to time because it's so good. I'll link to it in the show notes, so definitely check it out. The other recommendation is an interview I did years ago with an amazing woman named Dion Monsanto. She's a life coach, a yoga and dance teacher, a board member of the New York City chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and executive director of The Seaway Project, a nonprofit group promoting mental health awareness in the global black community. Dion's 15-year-old daughter, Seaway, died by suicide in 2011. That trauma came soon after a one to two year period in which 14, 14 of Dion's relatives, friends, and acquaintances died, all unrelated to each other. To say those were trying times for Dion is an extreme understatement. Yet when I met her in 2015 as she led a Bikram yoga class I attended, which is kind of like voluntary torture, and that's a whole separate conversation. She struck me as one of the most grounded and joyful people I'd ever met. When I first started this project in early 2016, it was called something different back then and just a Tumblr blog, I knew I had to speak with her about her experiences. At that time, I was crafting my interviews as written Q&As along with photos and other materials. So that Q&A is on my website and it's called Mortal Chats, The Many Deaths of Dion. I'll link to it in the show notes, along with how you can reach Dion if you're interested. Now I want to take some time to share my daily mortality mantras with you. I developed the first one a few years ago. It goes like this. I will die, and I could become severely ill and or disabled. One or more of these state changes could happen or start happening right now, decades from now, or at any moment in between. So I will make the most of whatever time I have left while I'm still healthy and breathing. The second one is a saying in Italian from my grandmother, who died in 2019 at the age of 102. She would say it to me and other members of my family whenever we needed to hear it most. And it's something I repeated back to her over and over again, just a few hours before she died, as potential travel advice just in case she was going somewhere. It goes like this. Ordina al tuo destino di essere bello e tale sarà. It means, command your destiny to be beautiful, and it will be. 
I say both of them to myself every day, usually after the roughly 30 to 60 second ice cold shower I take each morning, shortly after getting out of bed to help wake my groggy ass up and start the day off right. I hope these matches help you as much as they help me. All right, that's a wrap for now. Join me in exploring mortality and everything that follows from it by subscribing to Mortality Minded wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find episodes and other content on mortalityminded.com. If social media is your thing, I'm at Mortality Minded on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or if you want to kick it old school, email me through connect at mortalityminded.com. Let me know what you think of this episode and others by rating and or commenting on them. Your feedback is much appreciated and goes a long way in helping make the show better for everyone involved. You, the guests, and me alike. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, stay mortality-minded. <laughs>